And let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. 2 Corinthians, chapter 2. We're going to begin reading in verse 8, and we will read responsively through verse 13. 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, and verse 8. We'll read through verse 13. And shall we stand, please, for the reading of God's eternal word? 2 Corinthians 2, verse 8. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia." And if you look back at verse 11, well-known verse, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So the Bible tells us in the last days there will be doctrines of devils. It tells us there will be perilous times that will come, and they have come. And then we are not to be ignorant of his devices. So want to look at this from Genesis to Revelation, what has his strategy been, his devices, in trying to stop the work and the will of Almighty God? I think this is very interesting. All right, let's pray. Our Father, we pray for help to preach and hear the word. We realize that we are but flesh. We are weak, but thou art strong. But thy strength is made perfect in our weakness. We pray that you'd speak to us and through us. We pray for a filling of thy spirit, that the word would go forth, not return void. You give us ears to hear what the spirit saith unto the church. It would find good ground and produce fruit that remains. Help us to know the enemy, to study to know his strategy. We're not ignorant of his devices. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. We as the people of God should be very knowledgeable. Actually, the Bible says that we should grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. So the devil wants to keep us ignorant. He wants us not to know who he is, what he's done, where he came from, and where he's going, and his devices to stop the plan of God. So we are not to be ignorant. That means we know how. We have studied to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. We know that he's the deceiver. He wants to trick us and to get us in a trap. We know that he's a liar. He will tell us things that are not true. We know that he's the opposer and will bring obstacles and problems in our life to stop us or get us distracted from what God has called us and made us and saved us to do. We know that he's the great red dragon. That word means fascinator, to get us mesmerized, if you will, by the bright lights of the city or something that is very alluring and very intriguing. We know that he wants us to doubt the word of God. Yea, hath God said. He wants us to deny the word of God. Ye shall not surely die. He wants us to add to the word of God or take from the word of God as Eve did where she said, neither shall ye touch it lest ye die. And we know that there's a curse declared in the revelation that if any man add to or take from the words of this book, we know his devices. Now, let me give you the background of the text. The background is church discipline. There was a man fornicating in the church with his mother-in-law. I'm not going to go into all the details. The Corinthians were known for their carnality. They put him under church discipline. They obeyed God. He repented of his sin. He wants to come back to the fellowship. And there were certain people in the church, they didn't want to let him back in. And so Paul is saying here, you need to forgive and you need to move on as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Because if we don't do this, Satan's going to use this to wreak havoc and get another stronghold, we are not ignorant of his devices. So after you're saved, he wants to get you to hold a grudge, to seek revenge, to harbor resentment in your heart. He doesn't want us to move on. And the word forgive means completely release of the offense. Just let it go. God's dealing with it. They've humbled themselves, repented, asked for forgiveness. God forgave them. It's under the blood. Let's give them a second chance. Praise the Lord. God is a God of the second chance. Not only that, the third, fourth, fifth, to the nth degree. So we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. This word, devices, means to exercise the mind, and it means the disposition of a being that is their purpose. So really, this is the character, the nature of the devil, who he is, how he thinks, and then his tactics because of who he is, because of how he thinks. This is what he will do. Now, when we study God's Word, we're not ignorant of these things. The Bible tells us that he had his place in the creation of God. Originally, he was Lucifer, the anointed cherub that covereth, according to 
Isaiah 14. He fenced God in and sent out. He was one of the guardians in the throne room of the third heaven, Almighty God. But he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend in the sides of the north. I will be like God. And Jesus said, Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall as lightning. And so he rebelled. He was cast out of the third heaven. He no longer resides there. But now he's called the prince of the power of the air. He walks to and fro in the earth. He are to and fro and up and down in it. But he still has access to heaven. He reports, like it says in Job 1 and 2, there was a day when uh, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan appeared with them. He still has access to the throne room of God. He doesn't dwell there. And he is a part of the congregation of the mighty. You can read this in Psalm 82. We also know he's the accuser of the brethren, according to Revelation 12. When we sin, he sets the trap, the temptation. If we yield, sad to say, he has access. He goes to the throne room and accuses us before God. Look what they did. They must die. They put a curse on them. But praise the Lord. Jesus Christ is our advocate sitting at the right hand of the Father, pleads our case, says, Father, I shed my blood for them. They are washed in the blood. And that's why the Bible says we are preserved in Him and we are saved to the uttermost. Once saved, always saved. Praise the Lord. We have eternal life. We know that during the tribulation. Satan's going to lose access to the, third, the throne room of God. He will be cast out under the earth, and he will, when there's war in heaven, and he will know that he hath but a short time. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth who are there in those days. We know also he'll be bound in the bottomless pit at the end of the tribulation, to start the millennial thousand-year reign of Christ, Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3, he will be locked up in that bottomless pit. But then at the end of the millennium, he will be loosed for a period of time, and he will deceive all the nations of the world once again that he is God and they need to serve him and they can be his gods knowing good and evil. And in the judgment, Revelation 20.10, he will be cast into the lake of fire. So after that great white throne judgment, death and hell will be raised up. Death and hell will be placed in the lake of fire, which is the second death. So we are not ignorant of his devices. What are they? You always go back to the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. What was his main device that he used? Notice, 
It was the attack to corrupt the seed of the Word of God. Go all the way back to the beginning. He hates the Word of God. He hates the holy power of the nature of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so from Genesis to Revelation, his device has been to defile and to corrupt and to stop any way he can God's plan through his seed, the Word of God. He wants to stop the plan of redemption, stop the plan of reformation, stop the plan of regeneration, of reconciliation, ransom, the restoration of all things back to Jesus Christ. Now, we know that the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Word made flesh, He will restore all things. But from the beginning in Genesis 3 to when He's locked up forever in the lake of fire, His devices, in some way, any and now notice, any and everything He has or will do relates to trying to corrupt the seed of God. Let me give you some examples of this. He knew that the Messiah was going to come through the seed of the woman. That through the lineage, through time, Eve was the mother of all living. Eventually the Messiah would come and would die on the cross for the sin of the world, fulfill all the Messianic prophecies, and all power would be given back to the Son, Jesus Christ, his plan to tempt Eve and to, to um, through his wiles, to deceive her was to do what? Stop the seed of the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Word being made flesh. That's why he said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not surely die. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Add to the Word. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. That was the main purpose and goal of tempting Eve. Why did Cain, who was a murderer from the beginning, who was of the wicked one, and this is a deep study, but Cain was a son of the Nephilim. He was a Nephilim. He was a murderer he was of the wicked one. Now, he isn't Judas Iscariot, the son of perdition, but he was of the wicked one. He was of the serpent seed. Why did he kill Abel, his brother? Because his brother brought an offering of blood that pleased the Lord, and he started all the false religions of the world came through Cain. And eventually, when God flooded the world, Nimrod started again at the Tower of Babel. All of the false religions of the world, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. All of these wicked, adulterous religions. And the Bible says what? The whole world lieth in wickedness. That means the world is in a bed of spiritual 
adultery. Why? Satan is the God of this world. What's it all about? Deny the seed of the Word of God, reject it, or and somehow mix something with it so it becomes corrupt and it loses its power. You think about this. Everything he has done from beginning to end relates to his attack on the seed of the Word of God. He tried to defile Abraham's seed. He got Abraham, he, he was the one who brought the drought. Abraham doubted, went down to Egypt, brought back a worldly Egyptian named Hagar. His wife was 100 years old, could not uh, bear children. Sarah said, go into Hagar. He had uh, Ishmael, the son of the flesh. And then God kept his word as he always does and brought Isaac, the promised seed, that what? The Messiah would come through his line and all of this was an attack, doubting the drought, the weather, going down to Egypt, coming back, bringing someone he should not. The hatred for Joseph, his brothers sold him into slavery. How could the 11 sons of Israel sell off the beloved? You know why? He was a type of Christ. He was a type of Christ. You can see it all through Joseph's life. The destruction, think about it, of uh, the firstborn in the, the establishment of the Passover. You know why Pharaoh really pursued Israel and his whole army was drowned in the Red Sea? Satan sent Pharaoh after them to kill the Jews to kill God's people, to stop what God was going to do in the promised land, that God would give his people the seed of Abraham, that through him the Messiah would come and he would restore all things. The word would be made flesh. All the attacks. You think about how satanic Israel was in doubting God in the wilderness wandering. God worked miracle after miracle after miracle. And as soon as he did, they forgot about it. This was an attack spiritually of the devil to get Israel to forget. Many of them wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to Egypt, which is a type of the world, and surrender to Pharaoh, who was a type of Satan. They doubted God's power. Why were the giants in the land? The Nephilim, they fell. Why? Because the angels fell, went after strange flesh, produced the giants, cohabited with women. There were mutants, monstrosities, bestiality, animals with part human, giants in the land. Why? Why were they in Israel? Why were they on the east side of the Jordan River? Specifically, ge geographically. Because the devil was trying to stop Israel from going into the promised land. Everything that happened is about the devil and his devices trying to stop God's seed, the Word of God being made flesh. Think about it. Why did Israel intermarry with the heathen of the land and not utterly drive them out? Because the devil was trying to pervert their race. 
He had them segregated because the lineage was through Abraham, and then the lineage was through David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Think about this. Think about all the attacks on David. So remember, Israel clamored for a king. They said, we want a king like all the other heathen nation. He said, all right, I'll give you Saul. But Saul was not God's will. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Saul was a type of the Antichrist. You know what Saul tried to do? Kill David. Why did Saul try to kill David, a man after God's own heart? Because the devil knew that the Messiah was going to come through David's line. Why did Michal uh, turn on David and sell him out to her dad? His wife. Why did his own wife turn on him? Why did Absalom, his son, rebel against David and try to overthrow the kingdom? Think about all these things that happen. Why, think about this. Jehoram kills his brother. The Arabians slew all of the line except for Ahaziah. We read the, you know, we read Kings and Chronicles and Samuel. This is what was happening. The devil killed through the Arabians, slew everybody but Ahaziah. Athaliah, the wicked woman, killed them all but Josiah. Why? Cain was a murderer from the beginning. He was of the wicked one, and he was trying to kill the line of the lineage of the seed of David. Why did Sennacherib come with Rabshakeh and besiege Israel, the Assyrians, and they conquered every city in Israel except Jerusalem. Why is it that God miraculously saved Israel through the spring of Gihon, that Hezekiah had them dig the tunnel and they had water, and they went home, and his own sons assassinated him in the house of his gods, Sennacherib died a horrible death. You know, we read the book of Esther. Why did Haman try to kill all the Jews and hate them? And why was he hung on the very gallows that he'd built to hang Jews? I'll tell you why. The devil was trying to kill and stop the seed of David, the Word made flesh. You think about the New Testament. You know, we read this casually. Why was Joseph afraid that Mary had committed fornication and cheated on him after he betrothed her to be his wife and almost put her away, right? Called off the marriage because he didn't understand that the child was conceived of the Holy Spirit and it was the Word made flesh. Why did Herod murder every boy two years old and younger trying to kill Jesus Christ? Why at Nazareth, when Jesus preached and the power fell, that they tried to throw him over a cliff and kill him so he couldn't go to the cross and die and fulfill the prophecies? Why is it that when they sent to arrest him and they were going to kill him before the biblical time, that his word was so powerful, it says they all flew backwards and fell on the ground. And they said, never man spake like this man. 
Why did all these things happen? Think about it. God chose Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, who was a doctor of the law, to teach him the New Testament doctrine of grace. You know, I was thinking about this. A lot of people don't realize it. When Paul was on his missionary journey, and they were out at sea, a hurricane came in. You know what it was called? Eurachlodon. Read it. You know, Eurachlodon is not one of these named storms like the meteorologist, you know, we'll name them this. No, that was his literal name. It was a wicked God that brought in a storm. You know why? He was trying to drown Paul. He was trying to stop the New Testament writings. Why did Paul get bit by the serpent? Remember? They were around the fire. Serpent latched on his hand. I know Jesus said you shall take up serpents. Don't try it. We're not in that dispensation. What did he do? Shook it off in the fire, a poisonous snake. Why did that snake do it? Satan's the serpent, the viper, the wicked one, the pumper of the poison. He was trying to stop the New Testament. Why were all the apostles martyred? Here's another one, and I, I've thought about this in a different way. You know, there were two storms on the sea that almost drowned the apostles. And when Jesus was up praying, I think he allowed, went to his father, said, go to the other side. But these storms were so violent that Satan was trying to drown the apostles. Why? The church is built on the one foundation of Jesus Christ. And he sent forth the apostles to build it and to start it. What did Jesus say? He rebuked the wind. Like, rebuke, I rebuke you, Satan, where uh, Michael the archangel, when fighting over the body of Moses, said, The Lord rebuked thee by his power, not mine. How many times has the devil tried to kill you? And we don't know about it. How many times has the devil tried to kill you and you know about it? He knows. You know something that you can tell somebody to change their life. He knows that God did something in you, and you're born of that incorruptible seed. And God wants to use you. So I want to go now, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. If you'd please turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. You ought to know where these verses are. And let's just look at verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 22. It says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. What does it say? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord, praise the Lord, endureth 
forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You go back to Genesis. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 11, and 12 that he hath made the herb yielding seed. And the seed is in itself, and the seed produces after its kind. So God in his power and wisdom made everything in a line that has a kind, that has a seed in it, that can produce only after that kind, right? So oranges produce oranges. Apples produce apples. Wheat produces wheat. Now men play God and try to change all these things up with Thompson seedless ga grapes and navel oranges. They spray paint orange and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and now with uh, all this stuff's going on with in laboratories and stem cell research, all this stuff going on in, in the perilous times in which we live. So a fig produces frigs. Dates produce dates. A chicken could never produce a dog. It is genetically, biologically impossible, and a monkey could never turn into a man. Totally disproves the lie of evolution. Now, that's why the devil's trying to do all this stuff with trans and uh, steal the God's rainbow and cyborgs wanting to turn men into half a computer, half of a man, half of a this, half of a that. There's nothing new under the sun, and God re requireth that which is past. So what does it say in Psalm 126.6? He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 11.21, the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Did you hear that? God has a righteous seed, and the devil has a corrupt seed, and it goes all the way back to Cain, who was of the wicked one who murdered his brother because he brought God's sacrifice of the blood of the innocent dying for the guilty. So here we sit in the last of the last days. The only way to be saved is through the Word of God. You must be born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Amen. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born after that kind, which produces, as Peter said, you are partakers of the divine nature. Because why? You are born of his nature, which is what? The seed of the word of God. So if you're not saved, I beg you to get saved before you leave this place. If you are not born again, you are going to die and go to hell because you don't have the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Now, if you are saved, just say a few things and we'll be through. What is the devil going to try to do? Genesis to Revelation, he wants to attack the seed. Now, if you're saved, he's lost your soul. He can't get you. So what does he want you to do? He wants you to live in sin so the, the power is not there. 
He wants you not to read this book so you don't have the power of this book to live the victorious resurrected life. He wants you to doubt this book. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not surely die. Ah, oh, get involved in this. You're missing out. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Or he wants you to go to some liberal church where they've changed the word of God or they don't even have the word of God, where there's no power of the word of God because he corrupted it. And that's what he does. So I've never understood this, these people who don't believe God has a word. They don't believe God has a preserved word like we do. Bible believers, we believe God is God enough to preserve his word. And if he's God, he preserved it. And if it's not preserved, he's not omnipotent. He's either God or he's not God. And praise the Lord, he is. Now, why would somebody believe that God can save them, but he can't save his word? This doesn't make sense. Why would somebody believe that God could work miracles, supernatural, beyond all laws of nature and understanding, but he can't save his word? Why would they believe that God could fulfill prophecies given by 30-something men thousands of years ago, but he couldn't save his word? Why do they believe that all things were created by God and by him all things consist, but he can't keep his word? Why would they believe God can protect and provide, but he can't keep his word? Now, you know why the devil doesn't want you to go soul winning and he hates soul winning churches? Because he couldn't corrupt the seed. We have it, all right? Couldn't corrupt the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. So what does he do now? Just don't read it. Just don't tell anybody about it. Don't knock doors and obey the Great Commission. Don't pass out tracts. Don't be soul conscious. Don't be urgent. And so let's conclude. You think about in somebody's life, why is somebody having marital problems? Why is somebody having children problems? Why is somebody having financial problems? Why is somebody having health problems? Why is so-and-so gone to the devil, as we call it? Why is so-and-so out in the world blind and cannot come to God? Why are the church members who are supposed to be sitting right here, but they're out there in the world somewhere? What's the reason? In some form or fashion, you can attach it to Satan. His device is to corrupt the seed of the Word of God, and he knows he can't condemn a saved person. So the next best thing he can do is to get them backslidden and living in sin and get them distracted and out in the world so that they won't be faithful to a soul-winning church, a church that preaches the book where the word goes forth and where they go out soul-winning and tell people about Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, we are not ignorant of his devices. And they're trying to shut down 
the truth. Why? Because only the incorruptible seed produces after its kind, which is Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. This is so interesting to me. I just gave you an overview. You could do, use, do deep studies on every one of these significant events from the New Testament, from Genesis to the patriarchs, to trying to kill Abraham's seed or defile it or corrupt it, all the way through David trying to kill David and corrupt his lineage, all the way through the New Testament, Herod trying to kill Christ, all these things that happened. And what's amazing is this. It says if the princes of this world knew what they were doing when they crucified the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have done it. Because in killing Jesus, it was not a tragedy. It was a total victory. And they were defeating themselves by nailing Jesus to the cross. Praise the Lord. We're not ignorant. Now, you think about the next time you have problems. In some way, the devil's trying to stop the incorruptible seed. Amen. All right, let's pray. Every head's bowed.